Hey, yo, what's up? How y'all? This is Beans, and you're tuned into the Cabbages Hip Hop Podcast. favorite joel verses is on uh that song on apollo kids the ghost face record oh yeah yeah <laughs> where in like the course of like two minutes of verse he basically is like i went to a softball game to kill a dude but the cops were there for some reason and so i went home i switched clothes i went out to have a beer i got wasted and went to burger king and I killed that dude anyway. <laughs> it's fucking sick. It's so good. Yeah, that track says that's Joel and Game on that one. Like that's just like that's an incredible. Yes. That's an incredible trio. With, with that those. beat is sick too. That's a great song. I'm a Joel fan. Like, look, I think the Brick is like mm. one of the best hip hop albums of its time. You know, two thousand. I think about two thousand seven. You know, like it's a great record mm. and it's a great introduction you know and a lot of people kind of knew him through slaughterhouse later but it's just like i think that record is just like all right it's like this alchemist beats on there like you got mm. folks like showbiz you got mortal technique mm-hmm. big noid is on there like it's a great album but like he is just killing it throughout that record and yeah. i feel like you know i love what he did with apollo brown the mona lisa record you know the mm. ill mind record he I did for human like he's been putting out amazing like i think of the slaughterhouse members he's probably been my favorite artist to listen to post slaughterhouse. I feel like his post slaughterhouse output has been some of the best, uh, best stuff from like house slippers on. Totally fair. Did you ever hear, um, and I think this was originally on free agent. um, Did you ever hear the song he did with the locks uh, put some money on it? (laughs) Oh yeah. I heard that song. Yeah. Yeah. So like they did that. and And there's a slaughterhouse remix of it, you know, that adds like verses from, uh, from, from Royce and, yeah. And then, but there's a line, uh, Sheik from the locks. He says, uh, he says this one line. I think it's just great. Um, and as he says, I'm on BET. More than Leprechaun 3. Hello and welcome to Shamrocks, a Leprechaun movie podcast. The only unofficial weekly hip hop podcast about the Leprechaun cinematic universe. I'm your host, Gary Suarez. I'm a freelance music journalist and critic, and I write a twice-weekly hip-hop newsletter called Cabbages, which you can subscribe to for free at cabbages.substack.com. Joining me as always is my co-host, music industry insider Jeffrey Lachlan. Hello, Jeffrey. How are you? Don't you remember you told me you loved me, Gary? Said you were coming back this way again, Gary. Gary, 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 oh, Gary, I love you. Really? Back in a minute. I'm so excited to introduce our guest for today's show. Joining us now is Maggie Sirota. She's a freelance writer and former spin staffer with bylines at outlets like Billboard, Esquire, Glamour, and Rolling Stone. 
She also co-hosts the podcast, Three Things with Maggie and Mike, available wherever you get fine pod programming. Also joining us today is Beans, a founding member of New York's groundbreaking anti-pop consortium. The rapper has recorded for labels including Anticon, Warp, and his own Tiger Rock Records imprint. His latest album is called Venga, available on Bandcamp and wherever music is streamed or sold. Please welcome Beans and Maggie to the show. Hello and welcome to you both. Hey. What's up? How y'all doing? Uh, hanging in. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) In an aborted segment that we did before that wasn't recorded, we started talking about something you, uh, our two guests have in common. And yeah. you're both cat people. Yes. Yeah. This is now a cat yeah. podcast. This it's is a cat, cat podcast. This is uh, called Podcats with uh, Maggie and Beans. Exactly. And um, then our, you know, our producers, Cosmo and you at Hippo and Mortis. Yeah, Hippo and Mortis, exactly. Yeah. And we're all rescue kitties, it sounds like, too. Yeah. Their mom was a big, you know, I, I guess she was a big advocate of neighborhood sharing her, um, her friendliness around. Mm-hmm. So she had a lot of litters. And she would just drop off these these litters of these of these kittens to this random doorstep and just let somebody else take care of her her breed, you know, her brood. So, you know, that's where Hippo and Mortis came out. And uh, originally, my missus wanted just wanted Mortis, and then I was like, Nah, let's you know, don't separate them. Let's just you know keep them together. So they're brother and sister. So they raise together, eat together, and all that. So. It's like, the, I feel like the closest, like you, you, you like decided whether this kitten was going to live or die. Like, no, we must take them both. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, um, honestly, we already had a dog, so I, I honestly wasn't really sure about getting more pets, but when she, um, she was really dead set on getting a cat. So, um, I was just like, well, I didn't want really to want to separate them. I thought that would be mean to separate the brother from the sister. So Aww. I was like, yeah, so I was like, let's just keep them. What I'm really excited about is that with this conversation, we now have a podcast network. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we started out with just one show, and uh, now look where we are. We have entire uh, entire new things. So uh, podcasts uh, with, with Maggie and Beans uh, coming this spring yeah. to the Cabbages Podcast Network. Yeah, yeah exactly. Oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> the, 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 that's hilarious. Cabbages podcast, podcast Empire. I think people would listen to that. I have to say, I think that I was engaged. How much faster do you think it's gonna it's gonna grow than than Shamrocks? The internet loves cat <laughs> content. We only uh, have six movies in the original Warwick Davis series to talk about because um, we're not acknowledging the seventh and eighth reboots. Uh, those are non-canonical. We uh, we're not talking about those. Um, so I think there's a lot more. Uh, there's endless possibilities for uh, podcasts. And I'm excited to uh, profit from this. You know, I actually might get another one. My missus is talking about getting another one. Wow. But I got a name, though. I got the ultimate cat name. Shreddy Kruger? Nah. Chainsaw. <laughs> that is an incredible cat name. Yeah, she wants she wants an orange tabby. And I want to name it. I want to name it Chainsaw. Okay. All right. Well. That's a good goal, and I think that actually gives some longevity to the show. You add new characters uh, yeah, as you exactly. log in. You know, I mean, look, it's worked for Mark Marin for how many years? Right, <laughs> right. True. Every week he talks about his cats. So I feel like I feel like you guys can really carve out a good niche here. Mm. And again, you know, Jeff and I can sit back and just watch the uh, the ad revenue roll in, which is great. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, who's playing who? That's a good question. <laughs> who's, oh, wow. win- who's winning here? <laughs> 
Good question. Speaking of winning, uh, today we'll be talking about Leprechaun 3, the 1995 <laughs> movie that places Warwick Davis's already iconic B-movie baddie in Sid and City, where the odds are you won't leave alive. Vegas! Sorry. <laughs> that was an incredible segue. Thank you. Yeah, that was, that was smooth, man. I like that. Thank you. I mean, we have a lot to cover. It's a lot like the segues in the movie. <laughs> oh wow! Yeah, I—I I, that was my first being time being exposed to any of the Leprechaun uh, movies. Oh man, welcome! But, yeah, it was um, it was different. So we really, we really just dropped you into this uh, into this world. Yeah, it's uh, it was different. So first impressions, first impressions. What do, I know Maggie has more experience with these films, but Bean's first impressions having seen Leprechaun 3. Um, if you hadn't asked me to watch it, I don't know if I had, if I would have been exposed on my own. But now that I am, I, I can't, I can't, I can't take it back. I can't get those, I can't get those hours back. <laughs> <laughs> but, I feel so um, guilty doing this to people. It was like, I was... I couldn't I couldn't believe what I was what I was what I was witnessing. I was like, yo, this is ill. This is I don't I don't even I don't even know it was in a good way. I was just and then when he and then when he turned into a leprechaun from the bite and had the, the bad <laughs> Irish accent. I mean he still got the girl at the end. He still got the girl at the end, but I was just like, wow, this is movie is I can't believe this is actually I'm ready to deep dive that part whenever anybody else. Oh, the um, union between um, the oldest college freshman ever and the and the assistant. Um... The assistant magic. Yeah, because well, that's how magic works. Magician. You you yeah, you're an yeah. assistant, and then you get promoted. It right. actually was magic that they got together. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was magic. That was magic. <laughs> yeah, man. I have multiple notes about how Scott is a pun. Oh. Just every scene, that oh, guy's man. just pudding around being a pud. He was a pud. I hate that guy. <laughs> yeah, I agree with you. Okay, so... Jeff, you on point with that. <laughs> so the two leads had very, very divergent paths in Hollywood. The um, Lee Armstrong, the woman who plays the magician's assistant, um, that was mm. her point. She never acted again. That was it for her. Yeah. Oh wow. Scott. That's kind of a that's kind of a thing with leprechaun movies. Yeah. <laughs> Except for Jennifer Aniston, everyone else is gone. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, no a way to find Wait a minute. There's a real foreshadowing with that right. with Tammy because in the film, uh, Lee Armstrong's character Tammy is told by her casino boss Mitch that she'll never work in show business again, and then the actress doesn't. <laughs> so very eerily prescient. On the other end of the coin, her co-star, I think, believe his name is John Gaddis, went on to yeah. act more, but he's also an Academy Award winning screen, or no, um, Academy Award nominated screenwriter. Um, For what? Movie, the movie Flight with uh, Denzel Washington. He did the drunk pilot movie? Yeah. Oh, I got really? so much trouble because of that movie. Yeah, wait, you did? Yeah, at the end of that movie, so you, I went to the theater to see it because I just love seeing Denzel movies. Mm -hmm. And I got up at the end of that film. You've seen it, it's a brutal look at alcoholism. Yeah. And I just said, I don't know about you guys, but I could use a drink. <laughs> <laughs> the whole area was like falling out laughing. And I looked at my girlfriend and my girlfriend looked at me like, I will kill you. <laughs> <laughs> So she was That's like red-faced, embarrassed, furious at me. 
So, so you guys just you guys just put me on to game right now. You said Jennifer Aniston was in a Leprechaun movie. The first one, the very first one. It was right. before. Friends. Stop playing. It was her. Stop playing. It was her first movie and her first nose. <laughs> oh yeah, OG OG knows. OG right. knows yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, Correct. she had been on television. She'd been on the um, I believe it was the Ferris Bueller TV show for yes. Fox, and then she did this movie, and shortly thereafter, uh, Friends. But yo, but didn't so Office Space came after Friends? Yes. Yes. Oh wow. So if you want to map her cinematic career, you start with Leprechaun. Start with Leprechaun. You move your way to Office Space and the various Adam Sandler. Uh, vehicles. I feel True. like if you ask her, it doesn't start with Leprechaun. I think she has disavowed the movie. She's uh, disavowed the film. She doesn't like to talk about it. I don't think she. Yeah, okay. I think she pretends she hasn't been in it, which again I think is very insulting to Warwick Davis. I think. <laughs> I think it's more so that I think she's disavowing the nose more so than the, like Warwick Davis. <laughs> That's fair. That could be true. I mean, I think as we, I mean, Beans, I think you can agree with us, like. Like we can agree that Warwick Davis is committed as hell to this role, and he is having a blast. Yeah, I mean the Elvis, the Elvis impression outside the limo was just that was that was that was something to behold right there. <laughs> that scene was everything that the movies aren't. It is totally pointless to anything, and like he just looks at all the gold in Elvis's thing is like, ah, cool guy. <laughs> anyone else anyone else who interacts with the leprechaun has gold on is going to die or lose a body part yeah yeah that's true or escape while being you know threatened or get electrocuted while having sex with a robot <laughs> <laughs> you're bringing up the greatest hits these are all things that we were going to broach well, we have to i kind of feel a little cheated because like i wish we had gotten that like like kind of a montage of leprechaun just partying across vegas I mean, we see him kind of wander around and look kind of mischievous, but like, it would have been cool to like see him at the clubs, you know, like <laughs> just see him really just tear up the town. Like he maybe he's in like a bachelorette party and he's poking his head through the top of the limo and like, woo. I think that's, I think that the tough part of that is that I doubt that they were in Vegas for very long. They weren't actually. They actually were only uh. in Vegas for, uh, for one night. Uh, uh, they did one overnight in Vegas. The whole movie was filmed in 14 days, and only one of those days was Las Vegas. Wow. Uh, the majority of the film was done in Los Angeles. So all those amazing scenes of the Lep on the Vegas Strip, kind of goofing around and uh, you know hitchhiking and giving people the finger, <laughs> that's, that was all done guerrilla style, which really speaks to the director, uh, who's uh, Brian Trenchard Smith. He's this sort of English-Australian director who did a lot of B-movies in the 70s, uh, kind of the Ozploitation genre, if you will, um, who eventually moved to Hollywood in the early 1990s and is known for kind of making movies on the cheap and doing it well. So that was a very guerrilla style approach to it. They didn't have any permits to shoot in Vegas. So all of the stuff they did was just kind of like jumping out of a van and recording and then jumping back into a van. So it's a lot of improv by Davis. So I think we all would have loved to see more of that, but they didn't have the budget gotcha. or the permits to make that happen. Yeah, that's fresh. I like that. I mean, anytime anybody brings up the Safdie brothers from now on to me, I'm just going to point them to Leprechaun 3 <laughs> and be like, tell me that style is great again, please. I feel like I want to hear. I feel like there's some great like B-roll, like cutting room floor footage of like Warwick David doing like just different characters and improv. Like when when they have the when they have him like being the preacher on the 
on like the commercial i feel like there's like a whole roll of film that's him just doing different characters and wilding out just hook it to my veins yeah man. yeah just hook it to my veins i need he's so delightful i love the leprechaun and when he's not on the screen i'm completely bored and back to my thoughts. well it's kind of like that has that weird i mean the the two main actors the two leads were bad actors but like everyone else was a good actor they were like either like a really committed character actor or you could tell they're really having fun with it or like a couple of those people had like imdb pages that go back like decades like what about the guy who owned the um the uh, the pawn shop at one point I made a note that I want to jump in. At one point I made a note in my phone that said, is this whole movie filmed in this fucking pawn shop? <laughs> it was so long. Like just kill this dude and grab your gold. And let's peace out. Yeah. Yeah. There were like three hunting scenes of this guy. Also, let me ask you a question. The same guy who did um, Leprechaun 3, he did all the other Leprechauns as well. He just did Lepsicon 4. So he did 3 and 4, the director. He did 3 and 4? Four? 4 is when yeah. they go to space, right? Oh, yes. Correct. <laughs> Yo, what? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The ins- the ins- can, I, can I just like, I, let me jump in real quick with you and just talk about this. The oh, first dude. one is out in the middle of the country. Then the okay. second one, Gary, where was the second one? It's in LA. It's Hollywood. In LA. Maybe. LA, Vegas. So it goes way out in the middle of nowhere. LA, Vegas, space. And then two in uh, an area just generally referred to as the hood. Oh, yeah, I saw that when I was leprechaun in the hood. Two of them. <laughs> There's, There's two one. of them? Yeah. There's two. This back to the hood. <laughs> oh, he went back to the hood. That's, yeah. where, that's where he really thrives. Oh, wow. But Vegas feels like an appropriate place for him for a lot of reasons. Agreed. And he seems to be thriving out there. Greed is definitely his environment. Yeah. And he encounters a great deal of greedy people, uh, starting yeah. with the pawn shop proprietor, Gupta, who, uh, just to be clear, uh, hashtag problematic, is yeah. not Indian. Uh, <laughs> no. He's an Argentinian actor playing a oh, wow. pretty gross Indian stereotype. Yeah. Um, oh, man. Pretty bad. Uh, a lot of the movies of this era don't do right by Indian and South Asians uh, no. in any way. Um, you know, there's always the famous kind of short circuit, short circuit two uh, issue. Uh, Fisher Stevens playing an Indian character, and Fisher Stevens is in no way Indian. Specific but, to the Leprechaun movies, pawn shop owners are not doing well in this series. <laughs> no, this is the second of three movies that has just killed a pawn shop. Owner. Yeah, I mean, but I feel like this pawn shop owner seems particularly uh, deserving of of his death. You know, he's uh, extremely greedy, and you know, could easily just let the lep get what he needs and get out of there. But he's a fighter, though. Yeah, like he's yeah. ready to kick. He's ready to kick the leprechaun's ass, and he says it. He like speaks to himself. Let me ask y'all a question. So, how he died? How I know I'm skipping ahead a little, but please, how he. How he how he passed how he died I was you know, um, do they explain in the other movies how he keeps coming back? Like is it con- is it a continuity? Like is that this this is a subject of much concern at this podcast. I believe it's more fun to think that the leprechaun is the same leprechaun over and over again. Uh, in real life, there is zero. Uh, zero continuity at all <laughs> there's no oh. there the powers change things are just rampantly wild however 
I, I truly believe that the leprechaun just has all kinds of crazy powers and only brings out what he wants for special occasions. I see. Yeah. I mean, so look, Jeff is, Jeff is mistaken. Um, of course, right, right, right. <laughs> the, uh, the, the, the <sighs> as, as the creators of these films have pointed out, the producers, the people at, uh, Trimark pictures, fun, just so everyone knows the people at try this is look, we have to be fair on this. The people at Trimark pictures, I, I've read interviews have made very clear. They never had any desire to have any continuity between the films. The only constant is that Warwick Davis plays the leprechaun and they use the same makeup person to keep that consistency. So we have okay. to live and die by the desires of movie executives now? That's not the way I want to live, Gary. <laughs> well, I have a question. I, I couldn't find this online and I was wondering if maybe you know. Um, what was Warwick Davis's salary? It's hard to say. He doesn't really talk about it too much. I read his book mm -hmm. um, and he doesn't really talk about what he made on it, but he clearly was making enough uh, to justify doing these little trips. I will yeah. say part of what he talks about in the book was, you know, he did Willow. Yeah. Right. And then not a lot of work came after that for him. Gotcha. So he had done you know, Willow and he did, uh, I think, Return of the Jedi. Uh, and sort of he was having a harder time getting work. I don't exactly know where in the continuity the first Leprechaun shows up, but I feel like it was an opportunity that came to him. And what appealed to him uh, was not the monetary side of it, so to speak, was that he got to play a character that was um, different from anything else he had played before. Mm -hmm. You know, he wasn't playing the good guy. He playing a villain appealed to him tremendously. Given the, the limited amount of time uh, these films are made in, you know, this film was made in 14 days. It's a fairly low commitment for some sort of check. Um, yeah. So I think there's there's that incentive there. But I mean, he made six of them. So I have to assume that he made enough money to justify it. And I can't imagine a lot of the other people in these films made anywhere near what he made. Yeah, right. yeah. I mean, he's not phoning anything in. Like he is committed from start to finish. He's a, he's a delight. Yeah. He's doing all his own stunts, I assume. He sure is, yeah. yeah. I don't think it's actually him that falls out of a window per se, um, <laughs> right, or right. is thrown out of the window. But, I'd like um, you to prove that though, because it was an incredible acting job. I think the person <laughs> that threw, was thrown out the window was average sized. Mm. Like I feel oh. like I kind of I noticed the size discrepancy when the, bo the body came out the window. Mm. Well, that's actually really worth worth looking at. That might be a uh, a blooper. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, from those. And, you know, we haven't talked a lot about bloopers on this show, uh, but I think it might be worthwhile to start to track some of these things. Although I think my favorite part of that scene is when he actually lands uh, and of course does not die because that's not how you kill a leprechaun. Right. No, his his one-liner, uh, next time I'll take the elevator. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's got, that, oh, I mean, man. that was such an uneven script because it's like there were points in that movie that were genuinely funny. When he's in the waiting, when the lead actor's in the wait, in the um, operating room, the doctor said, listen to me, this is very important. This is going to determine whether live or, you live or die. Do you have health insurance? Do you have health insurance? <laughs> An unbelievable line. What a yeah. line. And then like Warwick the- Davis, Warwick Davis said uh, after this one, this was his favorite one because he loved the director and it was like actually funny. Oh yeah, no. Like, like that. a great time filming this apparently. And then they robbed him. Yeah. <laughs> And that bitchy magician was having a blast. <laughs> Real. The great Fazio, you mean. Fazio. Great Fazio. 
Fazio oh, suffered quite a few indignities in this film. Um, but I think the worst one is when he first encounters the leprechaun um, and uh, makes pokes a little fun of the leprechaun and in the end is uh, rewarded with a handful of uh, what I can only describe as leprechaun feces. Um, <laughs> she's uh, green and stinking. Uh, apparently. Oh, is that what that was? I was just, I was trying to figure yeah. out, like, did he just hand him, like, a pile of moss? Like, what, like, what is that? No. Oh, it no, it was the limerick. It was a pile of something. Yo, it looked like, a, it looked like an Italian icy. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was an Italian icy. He does a limerick before, uh, when he asks what this is, he gives a limerick that makes very clear that he produced it himself. Um, yeah, <laughs> It, it makes very clear, uh, it, or makes fairly clear that, uh, yeah, this is this is leprechaun shit. So now leprechaun poops like he can move. This was the first instance of that. Yes, this yeah, the first yeah, instance yeah. Of, le of leprechaun. We learned, we're learning a lot about the leprechaun as we go along, even though the continuity issue exists. Yeah. Uh, we learn a lot as we go along. In this one, the the powers are kind of goofier. Yeah. Like he, he can like shoot weird rays in the first one that never came back. In this one, he has a, a thing that is worth talking about where his like, his spit is, is acid. Yeah. And his but leprechaun- also can turn you into a leprechaun. Yeah, I was about to say like, he's contagious. <laughs> he's contagious. <laughs> he can poop, he's contagious. What can't he do? <laughs> He, I, look, I'm a, I'm on record as saying that the Leprechaun is one of the best horror villains ever. Oh yeah, it just seems like there's a never-ending wellspring. So long as he has his gold, there's a never-ending wellspring of very odd powers. You called him an LTD. <laughs> a what? An LTT. <laughs> Wait, what's that? Leprechaun. You called him an LTD. <laughs> a leprechaun transmitted disease. <laughs> <laughs> but it is an extraordinary transformation um, when he does infect, I guess that's the best way to describe it, infect Scott with the leprechaun virus. The symptoms of the change. Uh, potato eating, obsessively. Potato eating. Um, yeah. Despite the fact that the leprechaun never talks about eating unless it's human flesh. Continue. Yeah. I've never seen the leprechaun eat anything in yeah. these movies that isn't a piece of a human being. But the um that potato thing came from the computer in the in the yes. in the porn shop, right? The yeah. Encarta 95 thing yeah. that just happened to be yeah. right about leprechauns in every way. Yeah. <laughs> Encarta was a great thing. No, look, look, it was that was quite uh quite modern technology at the time. You know, yeah. same with the title sequence. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, that oh, was rich. God, Those opening crazy. credits couldn't have been more modern for 1995. Leprechaun opening credits are the longest opening credits of any movie in any genre. It's insanely long. Well, you know, you're not paying people a lot of money, so you have to give credit to everybody who did the work. Oof. In the beginning, when he shows up at the pawn shop and he's a statue. Mm -hmm. There's no reference to any of the other movies of him being a statue. This is the first time we've seen the magic necklace theory of, of uh, stopping leprechauns, mm. uh, where if you put a certain uh, necklace on this person, he seems to have a different weakness in each one of these. The first one was four-leaf clovers. The second one, it was wrought iron. 
I, we never figured out exactly why. Uh, and then in this one, it's that necklace. Uh, oh, okay. But also, if you destroy his gold, he just blows up. Right, right. Oh, cause, yeah, because that's what happened at the end. Yeah. So there's actually two ways to to deal with the leprechaun in this movie. Uh, for some reason, they introduced this this uh, this necklace and this specific gemstone. Right. And then they just like don't use it. Mm. That's crazy. It's one of my favorite things that movies do when they're like, this is very important. Make sure you pay attention to this thing. Okay, we're done. <laughs> 30 minutes there's later. A, there's an, it's yeah, never there's an hour left of this movie and we're never going to talk about it again. We have and all it was forgotten. In her pocket, and it was in her pocket. She the had time. It. it was in her pocket. She could have stopped them when she was at the, at the never, work. They never she never it. pulled it out. It's crazy. Like a productionist doesn't actually accidentally throw it out. Yeah. <laughs> we can't find it. <laughs> they do. Oh, my favorite instance of this in history now is Leprechaun 3, but my second favorite now is in Transformers 5, they like go on a 45 minute heist and they use the thing and it doesn't work. And then they never bring it up again. <laughs> Transformers <laughs> movies are just, just so yo, I was I was over I was over the Transformers movies when um Optimus Prime got stuck after he was flying. Uh, the only one I've ever seen is five. <laughs> oh yeah. Why? Why is why is that the only one you've seen? Yeah. I like the first one though, but the rest is I, I couldn't be the rest of them. Sorry, I didn't I like mean to sidetrack us on some transports. We should keep talking. No, about no, 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 it's all good. But yeah. Good. Yeah, Jeff, let's let's try to focus on this. Now about Encarta ninety about the Encarta CD ROM, the rules that are showed up on there largely play out in the film. We learn that if a mortal gets his hands on a leprechaun's gold, he'll get one wish for every shilling in his collection. If you destroy the leprechaun's gold, you get rid of the leprechaun, and a leprechaun's gold can do him no harm. And those rules, and rules is a big thing with these movies, uh, allows these uh, characters, these this rogues gallery, this motley crew of Vegas misfits to indulge their basest fantasies. And it's something to me to see what each person chooses. Mm. Scott, of course, chooses to win all his money back and be on a winning street. Fazio wishes to be the greatest magician of all time, which doesn't pan out very well for him. No. We never really see that he's any good at anything. Right. It's actually disappointing. I was hoping he's like, that he would oh, see I a be magic the greatest trick. magician of all time. And then he comes out and he's like, oops, everything's on fire and I'm dead. No, he's good at, <laughs> he's good at like dragging you to hell and back. Like he was... I did enjoy his bitchiness. No, it definitely worked. It definitely worked for that. And like his interaction with Loretta uh, was great. Loretta, that's her name. You know, Loretta. Loretta situation is is unfortunate. Oh, she because she just. I mean, look, she's she's working in a crooked casino. She doesn't seem like a particularly crooked person, but you know, she's oh, a no, part no, of no. environment. She, but, she, but she's the one that ripped him off, though. But she's the one that ripped him off with the magnet underneath the table yeah but i feel like that was mitch's doing that was the casino owner i i almost yeah. like she's doing the work but i don't feel mitch like was a really wonderful and like there was some good comeuppance there there was some really there was depth to that death are we prepared to talk about mitch because i don't really i don't really know are we actually prepared at this point in the podcast to talk about the scene with mitch because we've talked about right. we talked about the the commercial um <laughs> briefly but i think this is like probably among the the weirdest most awesome things about this movie uh mitch's 
I want to say death scene, but it's so much more than that mm, <laughs> is, is really the thing. I had no expectation of any of what happened there with him. I mean, he was definitely a pervy sort of guy. Yeah. So let me, I have a few questions here. Okay. And one, is there anyone among us that wouldn't at least once in a while check in on the Leprechaun Network if it was a real thing? <laughs> because I was riveted by the, the programming choice uh, was incredible. Sorry. The second thing is, can the Leprechaun build and replicate robots? That, <laughs> that was it had, He has to be able to. That was funny. Because it happened. There was a robot that kills this dude, a sexy robot that was very human. Leprechaun was forward thinking in that regard. I was more like the, like the toplessness and like the risque aspects. Were they as were the other ones as raunchy or is this like just the direct-to-video feature? Okay, so the first movie is this weird situation where it was originally meant to be kind of like a PG-13 kids horror movie mm -hmm. that they then went back and did reshoots to make it a little gory. Mm -hmm. It's a little suggestive in places, but it's, there's no nudity. Okay. In the second movie, when they know what the, it is, there is a topless scene okay. uh, involving uh, the female lead, which is actually, and we can get into this for this one, an illusion created by the leprechaun, which is exactly right. what the, as the, uh, as IMDb calls this, fantasy girl uh, from the TV. Uh, fantasy girl. Fantasy girl uh, is, again, another one of his illusions. Uh, incidentally, uh, she was played by uh, Heidi Staley, who was uh, also known as Heidi Lynn, who was Penthouse Pet of the Month in October of 1994. And later went on to appear in a number of adult features and erotic thrillers uh, up and through uh, 1999. R.I.P. So it was very yeah, much. It was very season. much. It was very much the sort of thing where they let nudity happen in the second film, mm -hmm. and so for the third film, it's like, well, now we can do nudity. Okay. Yeah. And they kind of really went for it by getting an actual so penthouse pet. To the difference that. between oh, these see. two scenes, though, is that in in two, the nude. They're illusions. They're illusions. Illusions. The illusion in the second one turns into the killing machine, but the machine is like some fans, right? Or like a lawnmower or something. Yeah, it's like industrial fans. Yeah, industrial fans. So they're like there actually and real. This came out of a television and turned into a robot from a real person. Yeah. I mean, where's again, the robot coming from, Gary? Look, <laughs> I have to know. You're the one who tries to approach these films with an imagination bent, and I try to apply some logic to these. And the logic here is that knowing that the leprechaun's powers include telekinesis mm -hmm. and the ability to be a master illusionist, um, it seems to me that he used pieces from the television with telekinesis to present that machine, which I don't think was an actual robot. I think it was just- Break like open pieces. a television and make a robot, Gary. That's insane. No, it's, it's perfectly it's plausible. Insane. It's perfectly the plausible. The TV was still there the whole time. You're, you're talking about this as a robot and it wasn't actually a robot. It's just pieces of electronics from a television that were made to represent a human-like form. Again, it's not meant to be a functioning robot because this is all the illusion but created by the leprechaun. One. No, it wasn't, Jeff. Okay. That's the magic right, of filmmaking. Right. It's okay, movie magic. This is why you've only seen one Transformers movie. <laughs> and it was the fifth one. It's like, do you think that yeah. Tony, one of the goons, uh, actually became a human slot machine? Do you think he literally had coins coming out of his body? No, it's an illusion. Yes, no, of course he Hey, did. can we talk about those two for a second? 
Yeah. Oh, sure. It was like one of those films where like if this was like a if this was like 1995 and it was a big budget film, like that's the point in the film where Dennis Leary would come to his material about the Mets. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, you remember like when they would just like let Dennis Leary do like two minutes of material? Like, yeah. Movie? Like, <laughs> like that's. Yeah, those two guys are given a lot of freedom to just like talk. Yes. In the film. For people that are wildly unimportant to anything, there's whole there's a whole scene where they just like talk to each other about what's going on. Yeah, there's some subversive commentary in this film. Mm -hmm. I thought they were a couple. Ooh. Mm. What is clear to me is if you look at the timeline, the chronology of this, Pulp Fiction was 1994. So we're already thinking about the John Travolta, Samuel L. Jackson interplay of Pulp Fiction and its influence on cinema. So hmm. their shtick between Art and Tony seems very much to be informed by the sort of royale with cheese type conversations that happened in Pulp Fiction. I think that's a bigger stretch than robots being made out of TVs, Gary. <laughs> <laughs> a comparison between this and Pulp Fiction. <laughs> well, uh, agree to disagree. Um... <laughs> Fair enough. Wow. I think the interplay between those two people has very much to do with the impact of Tarantino, who incidentally uh, considers Brian Trenchard Smith uh, one of his uh, favorite directors. Incredible. I'm sorry, that gag with the the fuck you on the electrocardiograph with the shamrocks was great. Oh, that was I I pierced my oh, sides yeah. laughing. At that, that was wonderful. <laughs> he opened <Man>. it up. <laughs> yeah, that was wild. That movie uh, was wild, man. That was that movie was bogged out. I, I had no idea. I, I hope that you go back and watch all the rest. I don't know. I doubt, <laughs> I, I doubt I that you know. will, but I mean, okay. are we not selling it? Are we not selling it? <laughs> are we well, doing a bad I job? Gotta say, well, I gotta say, there's some aspects that um that make me curious, though. The fact that honestly, I think I would be more intrigued if there was more of a continuity, like if there was more of a backstory, like. Then I was trying to find out more about the, huh. the leprechaun. Like, if there was more of a backstory set up, and and if the um, if there was a more continuous nature to all of the films, I'd be more interested. You can come with me on a fun journey to create that. <laughs> it's really fun to just decide that these movies all like are in a row. Uh, having been on journeys, uh, quote unquote, with Jeff, I would advise against that very. <laughs> wow. Okay. <laughs> So if I know I'm skipping around and I know this is not the movie, but how does how does he end up in space? Jeff, do you want to take that one? I would love to take that one. We're not allowed to talk about space much, but the one thing I will uh, say is that there's no reason for that leprechaun to be in space. There's no and reason. One is never given, as far as I know. And what? Maggie, my, Maggie, my understanding is this: the space is your favorite of the films. Oh yeah, so, I, mean, I haven't seen it in years. I saw it with a bunch of people in a dorm. Um, I it was the night that, and one of the people I watched it with was um, the guy who played Skull from the Power Rangers. So if you remember Bulk and Skull, wow, <laughs> wow, yeah, okay, you know, wow, you you're like the a, theater you're a real celeb, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was at this theater school like he decided he wanted to go to th to like college after he was on the power rangers and so then he met like a bunch of friends i knew and we all watched leprechaun in space hectic yeah <laughs> but it was hectic. i remember it was great i remember we had a great time um 
But I love the fact that like this movie didn't really explain anything either. Like it was the only exposition it really gave you was the video game. Like the or the video, oh, okay. the Encarta, like the video mm-hmm. narration. And that's the thing in the poor shop. Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. Like it's not like it's like, hey, why is this medallion here? Fuck you. That's why. We're not <laughs> <laughs> what I would have what I would have loved to see uh would have been some background on the character we see only briefly known as Lucky, who shows mm. up with the stone leprechaun wearing the medallion. Oh, how did he get that way? Yeah, He's been through hell, clearly involving this leprechaun who has clearly taken bites out of him and put him through the ringer. Two had this trope as well, right? Like two had a, a, a bum, a drunk bum. Who- well, that's that's a bit harsh jeff that's what i think that's what they named him in the credits <laughs> a, drunk bum? a drunk bum so this dude like meets up with the leprechaun and then later tries to explain to the cops and the cops are just like you're a crazy person you're like mm-hmm. screaming about leprechauns let's take this guy away and it's sort of a trope of like people who are down on their luck like showing up to places and being like leprechaun is here don't fuck with this leprechaun but being ignored I kind of just like that, really, just that archetype of the, the person who Vegas just chewed up and spit out. Like, he's mm. he's leaving, mm. he, like, he's leaving, like, Nomi at the end of Showgirls. Like, I am getting out of here. Lucky's story seems to be worthwhile to know more about, and it's a shame that we don't get any of that, because my understanding is that the Leprechaun doesn't know he's in Vegas until after he's been taken out of stone and he finds himself on the strip. So right. how did Lucky get with this big story? stone uh, statue to where he was going when he's clearly penniless and uh, in such a bad way that he has to go to a really shady uh, pawn shop in order to get rid of this thing. I really hope that when we, when we all pass away, that there's a big book of answers that that part is real, that you just have a big book of answers. I'm going to go and I'm going to find out what's going on with Lucky and how the leprechaun ended up in fucking space. That's what I want to know. Those are two questions that will burn me forever. <laughs> Lucky is awesome. I mean, I'd probably just want to talk to my loved ones, um, people who mean something to me. I probably want to talk about the, the Leprechaun movies once meaning. I pass away. But You're always searching for meaning. What a I foolish just, search. I just feel. I know, uh, but I'm, you know what? I want to know about this Leprechaun's deep, deeply complicated interior life, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> including the the poison spit. Like yeah, like well, what's driving this mo- this leprechaun to kill? You know, hurt people, hurt people. So I'm saying. That's right. That's a good point. Greed is the obvious driver of what he does, but we right. do not know quite what makes him so obsessed in this way. I mean, it, it must be the gold. Right. Um, the right. gold it- itself holds some power over him because again, when Gupta, the Argentinian pawn shop owner, oh, uh, gets his hands on one shilling. One shilling, one it drives shilling. a leprechaun to madness. Yeah. Mm. He would have been perfectly fine. I have a theory on that. I'm sure you do. Shocker. But <laughs> I think his obsession with the gold is is semi-warranted. I know it's greed is part of it, and it's it's defined as greed in the movie. But if if there was something around you that if somebody got it, you were like their servant immediately, and you had to like grant them wishes you too would be very protective of that object. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. 
this guy's got a hundred of them. And if anyone gets one now, he's got to like make them into, into whatever they want to be. So you think that's what it was when, when they found the shilling that it was actually the leprechaun who was granting those wishes? Right. I think so. I mean, I guess the shilling does it, but the leprechaun, as you see later, is the one with the power. So it was basically each piece of gold is kind of a, um, a portion of makes that makes up his power. Yes, I, I truly believe that. And it was definitely part of the first film. I know they're not canonical or whatever, but it was part of the first film is that when he had less gold, he had less power. Oh, in this film, I think is the clearest connection of how tied the leprechaun is to the gold. And I think yeah. there is a sort of mystical, metaphysical, if you will, connection between this pot of gold and the leprechaun, not just on powers, but just in general. Because again, one of the rules in this film is if you destroy the leprechaun's gold, you get rid of the leprechaun, Correct. Uh, which seems to be an extraordinary uh, situation. So clearly he wants to hold on to this because if, yeah. that lepre- if that gold is destroyed, that is the end of him conceivably. Not to mention this whole wish thing. It's tough. It's it's a tough life for this leprechaun. I mean, he, all he can do is think about gold, man. And the, the wishes thing is interesting because what ends up happening uh, really is more likable to, uh, rather than a genie's lamp, but a monkey's paw. Yeah. Where every wish has mm. some sort of uh, dark cost cost side to it. Exactly. And, you know, the leprechaun is the one who enacts said consequence. You know, I think about Loretta, where, you know, Loretta's situation where... Um, <laughs> Um, and I guess the, the best way to describe it, I think Jeff said this to me uh, earlier, was a Botox explosion. That's right. I, I, keep, I keep track of the deaths, and her death was, was Botox explosion. Yo, that was ridiculous. It was. She didn't get to enjoy it for very long either. That's what bummed me out. Nah. So she got like 20 minutes of being hot or whatever. Yeah. And then yeah. just is dead. That was really unfair because like of all of the... I know it's vanity and that's like a, a cardinal sin or whatever. Right. But the other dudes were like greedy and, and rapey mm-hmm. and and all kinds of bad stuff, except for, you know, with, with exception to the fact that she probably would have used this new sexiness for evil intent. It was a pretty fine. I was fine with this. She just wanted to be hot for a little while. Hmm. There's nothing wrong with that. Everybody wants to look good and nobody wants to exercise. <laughs> in fairness to her she did get to have and display the benefits of her wish longer than fazio did fazio didn't that's get true any it's a fine point like he yeah. just he got on stage and he had all those powers and then he ended up being uh zapped into that box and chainsawed in half i love that because yeah, it was cute. vegas the the fact that a leprechaun like leapt out and was doing magic Everyone's just like, oh, this is great. I love it. Yeah, yeah this is part of the show. <laughs> <laughs> they just went with it. And that's actually an example of art imitating life because in uh, Warwick Davis's memoirs, uh, he talks about that that one night that they spent in Vegas, so the one day that they were there, his hotel room at the Mirage had also been the makeup room. So he would have to walk through the, the casino floor at the Mirage in full leprechaun garb. Uh, full oh, wow. And people were trying to rub him for good luck and <laughs> trying to, and asking him questions. Uh, and so it, it was the kind of thing where no one was phased by him necessarily. They were like terrified or they were, you know, amused or thought, well, this is Vegas. Why yeah. would a leprechaun yeah. be walking around on the floor? Well, you know, what happens in Vegas? <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Life in between time. For me, I think that the the there's a lot I was willing to believe. There's a lot, you know, a lot of disbelief I'm willing to suspend. But I just don't for like if I was um Lee Armstrong's character, what was the Tammy. Tammy. If I was Tammy, I there are like a million times I would have ditched Scott. <laughs> right. You right. know what I mean? Yeah. There, I wrote this in my notes. Yeah. There are a million times where I'm like, all right, I'm getting off this train. <laughs> yeah, she was she was clearly older than him. Yeah. Yeah. She's she's 18. Yeah, but how was she? She seemed like she was like what? Her character was like 24 or something like that? Yeah, something like that. Hmm. It's a little curious of why. Maybe she has like a younger brother. Um, and so she sort of saw him in that context and wanted to protect him. When they met, he almost hit her with a car. Yeah. Yeah. And then she was like, do you know anything about cars? And it's like, of course not. He almost hit you with one. Yeah. That's like the number one rule is don't hit people with this fucking thing. Yeah. And then he started talking about engines and pistons. And I mean, <laughs> totally no play. with <laughs> None whatsoever. None, no game whatsoever. Just... No, he's a total scrub. No question there. Yeah. Scrub. Oh, like, just the fact that he had a car was amazing. And he had that yeah. big old check, which, you know. For a 90s movie, she certainly really wants scrubs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. At the time, I think we were all pretty anti-scrub. I was. Well, this was yeah. 95. I scrubs didn't, no scrubs didn't hit till like, what, 98, 99? Oh man. Yeah. Okay. So this is like, maybe that was a. No, a I'm, af I'm, af I'm afraid it's 1992. Yes. From 1992's Ooh on the TLC tip. Really? Boom. Wow. Whoa. So she's taking a decidedly pro scrub stance. <laughs> pro scrub stance. Did you, did you guys find yourself uh, cheering for the leprechaun? Yes. Beans? Um, in certain aspects. Yeah. I want to, I, I want to do to, um, I want a dude to lose. I don't know if I wanted him to turn into a leprechaun, but I definitely wanted him to go through some like more hardship because I didn't feel sorry for his character at all. Because I, I genuinely, when he was first introduced, I didn't like him whatsoever. I was like, yo, this dude's a chump. I mean, who who does that? Who, who goes in and like everything that he did was so bitch macho. It was it was terrible. <laughs> it, was, it was completely bitch macho. I couldn't, I couldn't. So I didn't really like care for dude. And then like, he was just, you know, I'm 100% with you. So thus far, I've liked each movie more than the last one, than the preceding one. Uh, mainly because each one of them, the characters get worse. Number two oh, also has wow. a main dude that is a total putt. <laughs> where he's like, what? Why do I care about this person at all? Are we trying with these characters? And then three, you're just like, oh, dude, just... Please bite this guy. Rip his face yeah. off. Yeah. End this man and let the girl get away. Well, what's amazing, what's incredible to me is that, like, for whatever his screenwriting talents are, like, he has very limited acting ability. And the fact mm. that they were going to have this guy do, like, limericks and Irish accents and try to match the delivery and cadence, of, you know, <laughs> the leprechaun is just like. God. He was truly bad at it, too. Yeah. yeah like, he was, yeah, yeah, he was, was awful. Nuts. Yeah. So yeah, I was cheering really hard for the Leprechaun and have been in every film thus far. Wow. So every death in all the Leprechaun films you feel is well deserved? Not every death. I he the first pawn shop owner he kills did nothing wrong. He was just looking up some information for some kids. 
It was a pretty great kill, though. But it was really great. He got Pogo to death. That was pretty sick. <laughs> Pogo stick, uh, Pogo to his lungs. <laughs> what? That's great. <laughs> it's a wonderful film series, Pete. <laughs> so good. <laughs> so yeah, that's nuts. Obviously, as a series, uh, you know there were six of these films with Warwick Davis. Uh, the first one was in the sticks. The second one was in Hollywood. Part three, as we've been discussing, was Las Vegas. Then he goes to space. Then he goes to the hood twice. Mm-hmm. Where would you put him in a new sequel? The Jersey Shore. Submarine. <laughs> I love both of these answers so much. <laughs> Beans, you said a submarine? A submarine. Oh, wow. Oh. All right, Beans, walk us through submarine. And then, Maggie, I want to hear about Jersey Shore. Yo, the reason why he would go into a submarine is because of something that a sailor found on leave and they would bring onto the ship unbeknownst to him that would have the maybe his pot of would, gold yeah something unbeknownst to him would bring the leprechaun onto the ship and and they'd be have to and then an emergency would happen where they would have to go under 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 they would have to be submerged for a long period of time and it could either be because they're in the middle of a conflict or about to avoid a conflict or because the there'd be a malfunction caused by the leprechaun. I feel like submarine movies, there's always some reason that they have to stay off radar, which exactly. is the whole point of the submarine in the first place. Right. But I don't understand what the fuck radar you're trying to, you're already off radar. You're in a submarine. Yeah. But yeah, I think that's perfect. So the hunt for green October. <laughs> oh he was sitting on that one <laughs> yeah. yeah well i definitely. think that's a, I, I love any idea for a leprechaun movie that involves people being trapped you know yes. it's the idea that they can get away like lucky got away in part three you know all these people who were in vegas if they had just given him back his gold they could have walked away with their lives but the fact that they chose to engage and chose greed, they couldn't get there. Uh, Maggie, can you tell us a bit more about your idea for a Jersey Shore leprechaun movie? Oh, yeah. No, he just terrorizes a bunch of like 20-somethings who have a summer share. Um, so he hides out. All right. So in Ocean City, New Jersey, and there's it's a dry town, but there some genius put a liquor store right at the, bri- at the bridge. So the leprechaun hangs out there. And when someone comes in for alcohol, um, he hops into their Jeep and they are, unbeknownst to them, they are stuck with this leprechaun for the weekend. It's gonna, it's like a slasher, like the, you know, just works his way through the house. The, the best part of writing a leprechaun script uh, on the fly is that you don't have to have any reason to have that leprechaun there. No, no. They've never had any reason to have the yeah. leprechaun go. It's like, I, I, you know, I might be, you know, he's Irish, so of course he's in a liquor store, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I'll take it. <laughs> Those are my people, and I vouch for it. 20-year-olds, 20-year-olds <laughs> with a summer share or irritating and drunk, so no one minds, like, watching them get murdered. And they'll probably have some sort of stupid gold chains or rings on. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, some uh, Tevas. How do these dopes find the gold? Ooh. We could introduce rainbows. We haven't had any rainbows. Um, I, they pro- it's probably at a chip and putt. Mm. <laughs> like it's oh, it, it's hit, it's one in one in like the miniature golf. Um, I love place. this. Yeah. 
Yo, honestly, when you mentioned when you mentioned Jersey Shore and the summer share, I was thinking the the reason why you followed them back from the liquor store was because the goal was in the house. Oh, it could just be in the house for no reason. That would be great. So the house was built on ancient leprechaun burial grounds. <laughs> ancient leprechaun, exactly. Ancient leprechaun gold. Yes. Yeah. But one other question though. So everywhere he goes, the the pot of gold follows him. He he can conjure the gold and has done so on several occasions. In fact, inside of someone and, and destroyed them uh, was one place he made it manifest. What? All up in them guts. What? Yeah. The gold has to be around because you have to try and fool the leprechaun to get his gold. That's sort of a thing that's supposed to be happening. In every movie, they've tried to fool the leprechaun out of his gold? It doesn't work very well. He is the genius from Killarney. <laughs> worst fucking casino i have ever seen i used to when i was in college i had like a side i had a lot of side jobs one of the side jobs was i would go to like fake casino nights and deal cards really yeah i did that for for years i had like a a running gig every now and again this guy would call me and be like we need dealers and i'd be like all right cool and i'd go deal cards so is this like an underworld like gambling thing or was it just like or was it like casino night at the uh, at It the was local casino high night for like business people. It'd be like a giant business would have a casino night. Oh, or so networking. A, a, a giant club of people would be like, oh, let's have a big meeting and we'll have fun. And they have like fake money. So they come in with fake money and gamble it. And the person with the most at the end gets prizes, that sort of thing. And it, it was a little better than, than the one they built for Leprechaun 3. The Lucky Shamrock. Yes. Which, is that a real place? No, of course not. I mean, look, the banner outside the Lucky Shamrock, it looks like- I really wanted to go to Vegas and like go to the Lucky Shamrock really badly. (laughs) I I hate to break it to you, but uh, the Lucky Shamrock does not exist. It was- Shocker. uh, Something we saw in a movie. Mm -hmm. Uh, Actually, the venue where the casino floor and all that stuff was- filmed is actually not in las vegas but was filmed in los angeles at the ambassador hotel uh, which had been used for a number of different movies over the years um but it also has the uh somewhat auspicious um distinction distinction mm-hmm. of being where uh sirhan sirhan assassinated robert kennedy so it had two of the worst abominations in history associated with it Wow. The assassination of RFK and Leprechaun 3, Leprechaun wow. in Vegas. I, I thought this was your favorite of the series. It sounds like that's still a pretty, that's a still a floor uh, to go through. But I think I appreciate it more because it's an abomination. Does that make sense? For that you, I, it does. For you, it does. Brian, <laughs> Brian Trenger Smith was so incredible at, at, at doing this. And Warwick Davis was having a ball. Absolutely. He was having an absolute, like the best time of his life. He was hilarious. This had the most laughs. Oh, for sure. For 100%. Sure. 
of the three we've seen. Like all the all the stuff that he did, uh, in even just in the casino itself, like him playing craps and winning, uh, that was delightful. Um, Turning that guy into a slot machine, also delightful. Yeah, like Warwick Davis, the know, sex robot was delightful. Not a robot, but uh, the. Uh, <sighs> the tv the tv it was part a, illusion. He made it out of electronics and it moved and did stuff it was he, he makes plenty of things move we've established that he has telekinesis he can do all sorts of stuff he doesn't have to have the sophistication why to make a robot fun why can't he have made a robot it's cooler that way he's a two thousand year old leprechaun he does not know how to use electronics what would you do with two thousand years maybe he's a quick learner he spent most of the time in a fucking tree. He knew how TV worked really well because I would totally watch a 24-hour Leprechaun Network. I mean, it's a shame because we really only saw commercials um, and religious programming. I would love to see kind of what that original programming would look like. Um, I, I 100% would put up the dough, if I had it, I'd put up the dough for Warwick Davis as the Leprechaun preacher show every Sunday morning. Well, I mean- I would attend didn't... that church online. These movies didn't cost very much, so I think you probably could uh, pony up the deal, perhaps at one of your uh, fake casinos. Yeah, I'm never going to live that down for some reason. No, I'm I'm amazed that you uh, revealed that information about yourself. Uh-huh. But, uh-huh. You know, it's 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 fine. You you took a moment of vulnerability, and uh, now we can uh, exploit it. You're really mean to me, Gary. <laughs> Thank you.